Welcome to Take a Moment with NCHC, with me, Miranda Gretton, the show where we take a moment to delve into the hot topics affecting our workforce, from compassion fatigue to dealing with stress, mental health to make-ahead meals for night shift workers. We'll talk to experts for tips and advice about the issues affecting you. Listen on your drive between patients or on your downtime, whenever you get the chance to take a moment. Due to the pandemic, we have had to record some of our podcast episodes remotely. As a result, the sound quality in this particular episode is affected. In today's episode, we're talking about men's mental health and how we can understand the challenges faced by our busy male colleagues. We're joined today by two guests, Ian Bell, Head of Learning Disabilities at NCHC, and Nick Little, founder of the 12th Man Campaign. So firstly, welcome both. Thank you so much for joining me today. Tell us a bit about yourselves. Uh, well, as you said, I'm the founder, or co-founder of the 12th Man Campaign. My, my fellow founder sadly died a few years ago. Um, the 12th Man Campaign uh, works with businesses and interest groups, and we offer funded free, free cost-free for those people, mental health first aid training, because those businesses and interest groups have been identified as places where men go um, or may have a high uh, male workforce. And crucially, the conversation is integral to what they do, whether that's cutting someone's hair, whether it's riding in a cycling group. Hey, uh, my, my, my background is in mental health. So I trained as a uh, mental health nurse back in the late 1990s, early 2000s and, and remain a registered mental health nurse. So I've worked through mental health. I've worked in the acute hospital and currently working in learning disability services. But I still have a real passion for mental health. And that's why I got involved very much with the 12th man. You know, I cycle. That's how I kind of got into contact and yeah, hoping to do more work in the future with Nick and his campaign. So, Nick, some of the statistics on the 12th Man website around men and mental health are quite sobering. 2,083 men died of drug-related causes in England and Wales in 2019. 73% of people who go missing are men. And 5,019 men died of alcohol-related causes in the UK in 2020. So why do you think men tend not to discuss their mental health as freely as perhaps women do? Um it's a really big question. I'm not sure I, I fully know, you know the, the whole picture or that anyone does, but um, it, it is a very relevant question because that was really the starting point of the of the whole campaign back in 2014, where myself and Oz Osborne, my co-founder, we were commissioned by the Time to Change campaign, who we were working with at that point, to try and work out why men weren't engaging with that campaign as as much as women were um, and we had a fairly good idea being men ourselves and, and men who worked in in the field of mental health but essentially we never in our personal time went to any mental health events or did anything of that kind of nature so we kind of focused really on that exact question and we, we surveyed a few thousand people men don't talk about their mental health as much as they should because they see it as, as a weakness because other men don't talk about it so they're not going to because men don't know how to talk about it and maybe don't know what emotion it is that they're actually experiencing there were there was a big range of other issues about related to their work you know worried about what's happen if they do go into work and disclose how they're feeling and the stigma as well the kind of perceived or actual stigma that the people may have experienced so all of those things together i think then combined combined with a kind of culture that we that is not by no means exclusive to the UK but is certainly here 
of men seeing any problems that they may encounter in their life as something that they need to be able to fix. You know, but with mental health, we often can't fix it immediately, or sometimes can't fix it at all. We need to learn how to yeah the stigma thing for me is very interesting because a lot of it must be perceived that people think that that's what people would think but especially now when we're talking so much more around mental health in general children's mental health is a very big topic at the moment as well so we are opening up about mental health in general a lot more than we ever used to and yet those stigmas are still there so it's like you say it's about changing that and helping people to understand why we can talk and it's okay yeah no i, I agree with everything um uh, uh, nick said there and i think that sort of unknowingly and maybe it is changing but unknowingly that language that gets used from a very very young age the different genders get different messages and it's i think it's done so casually that people don't notice the language they're using about not being weak being strong so either directly or indirectly says don't talk about it you just you just need to get on and you'll be fine. I don't I think that message starts very young and it, I think it follows boys and young men and then into kind of adulthood that makes it difficult. And like Nick says it's been around for a long time. So you have to work over a long time to try and get that change and to try and get that message that there's nothing about weakness. In fact, it's probably more about strength to open up and that we all can uh, seek that support should we should we need it. Ian, you worked on our Men's Health Week 2021 recently, the Can Do Challenge, encouraging men to use five themes and try new things to improve mental and physical well-being. So just on, on that, what are some of the things that our busy male colleagues could get involved in? So specifically within NCHNC, we are training more mental health first aiders that will be able to be identified and for people to, to speak to um, an approach, as well as people's kind of line, line managers. But I think what we want to do is kind of spread that culture so you don't have to seek a specific person wearing a specific lanyard, but that culture starts to spread out. So you will have a high degree of confidence and that risk becomes much less that you know that if you speak to any other male colleague if that's what you choose to do that the response is going to be a positive one it's not going to be a don't talk about this you know man up all that kind of language but probably still exists that's what I think we need to get to but in the meantime there will be people within your place as we call them now within NCHNC within your service or maybe even within your team that you will be able to go and speak to if you are struggling, if you have got some kind of concerns. And through that work, hopefully that culture then spreads through the organisation. And Nick, that's exactly what The Twelfth Man is about, isn't it? Encouraging that culture. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that sounds like a fantastic approach that you've got and really mirrors our thinking that the way that we need to address this cultural issue is through a generation of work. It's not going to happen overnight. And that what we need to do is embed the idea that we all need to take some responsibility for our own mental health, but also the mental health of others, how our behaviour and conduct can, can impact on other people. That needs to be community wide. We have this idea that mental health or mental illness is something that happens to you when you become unwell. And at that point, you go to someone who fixes you and you kind of remove yourself from whatever environment you may have been in. Sometimes it can mean your kind of social contacts, your friendship groups and things change. And suddenly you're you're put into a situation where all the other people that you're with in, in a group or something are also people who are who have a mental illness or a mental health problem. It so, somehow defines people. 
And that can't be the case when we're saying that one in four people will experience a mental health problem at any given time. One in six people in, in a year will have a, you know, a serious mental health problem. How can that be the case? If, if it's going to happen to everybody roughly every four years, why do then why are our services and our kind of attitude towards it the kind of opposite? It doesn't affect you until it does. And then when that happens, off you go to somewhere else. So in embedding this within your culture is absolutely, I think, the right way to go. And it's what we're trying to mirror within within the wider community, really. So how can we make the first steps to empowering somebody to speak up? At least, I suppose, knowing that you could just turn to your colleague who isn't trained, but is your friend, you could turn to them and ask them. But what steps can we take within our organisation as colleagues? Yeah, I think I think that's really interesting because you're right. It's not just about the person who may be having a, a, an issue or some concerns talking. It's about all of us noticing. And that's not noticing in the kind of nosy Parker kind of way. Over time, you get a sense of how people normally are. And sometimes things can be slightly different, not not hugely different. It doesn't mean someone comes into work and, you know, they're sitting in a corner kind of crying. This might be they just seem a little distracted or they might seem a little unkempt. They're just little subtle things. And I think often we don't notice or we're not curious enough and we don't want to pry. And I think there is a way of doing that, of noticing and having a gentle conversation or, you know, picking a time so you're not in a crowded you know, environment and, and, and just say, you know, are you, are you OK? And maybe not always taking the kind of, you know, I'm fine as the answer. Finding that balance between kind of pushing someone where they may, may feel uncomfortable but showing enough concern, but not leaving it there. Because someone might say, no, I'm fine. But two or three days later, you still notice things aren't quite right. And it's okay to go back and say, are you sure? So I think that genuine, compassionate curiosity is what we need to encourage within our in our workforce to really take care of each other. But it's about encouraging that environment where people feel cared for and people are interested in their their well-being. The 12th Man campaign is built on those kind of positive values of the football crowd, isn't it? So it's about saying to our colleagues, be that 12th man, be the person who comes and asks the questions, text your mates. The reason we called it the 12th man really is where we identified where men go and where do they show emotion. The football crowd came up uh, a lot. So just two days after the Euro 2020 finals, there was a lot of emotion people have shown. And actually, what's very interesting is when men show emotion in a football crowd, it's not just accepted, it's actually celebrated. It's uh, the, the, the hardest man is the one who's crying, because for some reason, that's perceived as he's, he's more passionate than somebody who isn't crying. But then when we're looking outside of that context, it's a complete role reversal. So we thought the best thing to do would be to name our campaign after something that men already feel very positive about they feel they have a role but also that you make a lifelong commitment to your club we should do anyway it can be for very personal reasons it might be that it's your local team it might be that there's family connection you might have been born somewhere and live somewhere different um, so there's some really deep rooted stuff about people's identities that's kind of all caught up in this this idea so what we're trying to encourage is men to see that they have another team as well and that's the men that they work with their friendship groups men in their family and that you can make that same lifelong commitment to, to those people and that includes yourself 
it includes regularly checking in and thinking about your own mental health because we found that men will talk about mental health we know that the cycle that Ian's involved all the kind of work that we've done with barbers they absolutely will talk about it if someone's really struggling the, th- the thing that I will say to them is, do you want to go for a walk? And I don't say, oh, let's sit down and have a conversation because it probably isn't going to work as well. And you drive out to the coast or wherever you're going to go and you walk alongside and it might take a bit of time. But that conversation flows. And, 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 and there is something about that distraction that makes it easier. It's not exclusive for men, but I think it, I think it helps. So whether that's walking or cycling, it does free up men, I think, to talk more openly. The more you talk, the better you become at doing it. So we, we were talking earlier about the fear of the consequences. And certainly I've got this theory that a lot of men don't even know what the emotion is that they're experiencing. So it's all right telling everyone we, we need to talk. Everyone needs to talk. Well, firstly, you need to know how to listen um, and not sort of jump in with, oh, you want to try this or, you know, the top trumps thing of, oh, that's nothing, mate. You know, this is what happened to me. So you, you have to learn how to do that. And our culture and society doesn't prepare men and boys to do this very well. Um, so we, we definitely need to learn. We need to be trained. And that's good, though, because men love to learn a skill that they can then go off and use. And so it, it works. That's the first thing. But then about recognizing, well, what is the emotion that I'm feeling? Anger is often one that's brought up. Oh, I feel angry. Do you really feel angry? Is it is it actually anger or is it is it something else that's presenting itself to the world as anger? But um, actually, there's something else happening. So the more the more we talk and the more we kind of listen the better at it will become of both of those things and also i mentioned the fear of the consequences that was a, a, a key kind of driver when we were doing our initial research well if you think of ian's example there if if that men have got this fear of the consequences and and they're really worried about talking but then they finally do and they find that actually the consequences of their conversation are overwhelmingly positive. Somebody listened to them, validated their their thoughts and feelings, supported them, empathised with them, and said, offered them, "Would you want to go for an, uh, another walk in a in a week or two? And suddenly that that fear of what might happen is being replaced by a, a really positive consequence. Right, I've learned now that if I do talk about it that I will be listened to and I'll be valued. So I'm going to do it again. And and that's what we need to kind of do. But but men as well that are bad at it, and I'm I'm just as guilty that you'll do, you have that experience, you'll go for your nice walk with Ian and then say, thanks, mate, all sorted. Don't need to worry about me anymore. <laughs> that, that's got to change. We've got to recognise that it's it's an ongoing process. It's something that needs to be managed lifelong. And I'm a big believer that, that women prepare for that so much better from a younger age sometimes what you have to do is vocalize it be be listened to get some maybe some thoughts or some pointers of what you could do we we need to take more of that but not expect men to behave in the same way one thing that we, we're really keen to do with the 12th man is to find the way that works for them and not to try and invest all our resources in making people change, which is not, not going to happen. If men wear Lycra and get on bikes, we'll put our campaign there. We need to kind of, um, yeah, try and promote the fact that it's okay to have low mood, for 
example, that's perfectly natural. But it doesn't mean disaster. It doesn't mean crisis and things like that, you know. So cultivating that team culture within our male workforce. So I'm thinking specifically at this point about our male clinicians. So obviously we have a lot of other men who work in NCHC and sort of support services roles. But just for a moment, specifically thinking about our male clinicians who are very busy out on the road, community nursing, that kind of thing. What can they do potentially to tackle these conversations if they did feel like they wanted to talk, but they're out quite alone most of the day? The first thing, particularly with with, um, um, clinicians and specifically male clinicians, is that part of everyone's professional practice is reflection. If you can do that in your professional life to think about what's going on, think about what you have to do and how you might do things differently, it's, it's just lifting that principle of reflection and put that light onto your kind of personal life and to reflect that am I okay am I doing kind of what I need to do the questions that you would ask in your professional kind of capacity and I think if the answer is well you know I I could be better I could be doing things differently most people will have even in this kind of virtual world where we're not having so much face-to-face contact has someone they work with where they've built up a relationship because a lot of people work in these services and teams for, for a number of years and they don't often change particularly regularly so you may not have a history of kind of speaking to that person, but it's about a bit of risk compared to what the other risks are. It's tiny to have that conversation with someone, just like, like Nick says, you know, it's about embedding it, giving people that kind of confidence. And if you haven't got that person, you know, you've got a line manager, there are, there are well-being resources. And I know they are very good. I've been very impressed with what NCHNC have done in terms of well-being, not just because of those increased risks around kind of COVID and everything that's happened over the last 16, 17 months, and your mental health first aiders. So that really now, I think as an organisation, is a real menu and it's a growing menu of um, options for men to access. If you haven't got that relationship at work, there are a number of other ways of doing it. And I think that the more we do this, the more we embed this kind of way of working and we embed that mental health first aid practice across the organisation, I think the easier it will become. So finally, at the end of every podcast, we ask all our guests to answer this question. What should we try and take a moment to do? Take a moment to um, look after your kind of physical health and well-being, because that is intrinsically linked to your mental and your emotional well-being you might be someone who does a lot already but if you're not if you're somebody who doesn't tend to the difference a 20 minute walk or, or going to a swimming pool or, or getting on a bike if you've got a bike in the garage that's not being used 20 minutes physical exercise you know call a friend do it with them get somebody else involved it's like you're more likely to do it again if you make that commitment with somebody else to do something on a regular basis but I think that benefit of, of a little bit of general exercise that might turn into something more over time, to me, would be a really good starting point to take a moment to do. Well, that leads very nicely because I, I would say that whilst you're taking that moment to do a bit of physical exercise, use that time to just think about your mental health. When was the last time you had a conversation with, with somebody about your mental health or, or theirs? When was the last time you felt low? And did you recognise that? And and would you recognise depression if it happened? 
to you? How, how would you kind of recognize that? I myself, as someone who's worked for 15 years in mental health, it took me about 10 years to get to the point where I would recognize that, no, I, I am feeling depressed at the moment. It's not this thing that happens to other people that I work with. It happens to all of us. That's perfectly okay. It's about what happens after that. So I'd, in a nutshell, take a, a moment to ask yourself, how are you really feeling at the moment? And if you're not feeling okay, what are you going to do? Thank you for listening to Take a Moment with NCHC. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please visit the podcast intranet page to leave a comment and for details of our other episodes. You can also follow NCHC on all social media channels. For more information on the 12th Man campaign, visit their website, 12th-man.org.uk. That's 12th-man.org.uk.